1: Good evening and thanks for joining us. Chris is off tonight. We begin with a tragic milestone in the COVID-19 outbreak in Canada. A BC man has become the first Canadian to die from the novel coronavirus. He was a resident of the Lynn Valley Care Centre on the North Shore. Aaron MacArthur has the latest from provincial health officials as well as COVID's relentless climb worldwide.
2: While it has seemed inevitable, Monday's news of Canada's first COVID-19-related death has brought new focus to the epidemic. A man in his 80s died over the weekend.
3: And
4: he had a number of underlying health conditions, unfortunately.
2: Of Canada's 77 cases, 32 are in British Columbia. Two international travellers from Italy and Iran have now been identified, but the outbreak at the care home is of most concern. An unknown source likely infected two residents as well as two health care workers and now two close contacts of one of those women.
4: And I know there are other both health care workers and residents who have been tested. I can't say but I expect there likely would be um, one or more others uh, in the coming days that we'll know more about.
2: BC continues to work to isolate and track every case to stop the spread of the coronavirus. Elsewhere, the genie appears to be out of the bottle. Italy, after quarantining 16 million people over the weekend, still saw 1,800 new cases Monday. Tuesday, the entire country will be put on lockdown. The United States reporting more than 600 cases as several states declare health emergencies. The WHO has stopped short of calling COVID-19 a pandemic, but the virus is now in more than 100 countries with nearly 115,000 cases. Unlike flu... We can still push this back. We can still significantly slow down this virus. Concern over COVID-19 has led criminals to target the vulnerable. Authorities are warning people about bogus claims on the internet and the B.C. government warning about scammers cold-calling people trying to sell testing kits.
4: This is all done for free. Our turnaround time is very quick and they do not and should not be uh, asked for money.
2: B.C. has plans to increase testing capacity again this week. More testing likely means more cases. And at this point, the strategy continues to be containment. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. On a
1: closer look at that strategy now, Keith Baldry is live in Victoria. Mm-hmm. We're not there yet, Keith, but could we go from recommendations under the Public Health Care Act to actual orders?
5: Yes, it's actually referenced in this, uh, the the Pandemic Provincial Coordination Plan that was uh, outlined last week. It does refer to emergency powers that could be enacted under two acts, the Emergency Program Act and the Public Health Act. Dr. Bonnie Henry is in charge of this. I put it to her this morning. When will you go from recommendations to actual orders involving such things as quarantines and other measures? Here's her response.
4: We're not at the point where I would see us as ordering um, all public gatherings to stop. But we are watching that. That is something that might happen. It might happen if we get to a a place where there are more cases popping up in the community that we can't link. And it's a way of keeping sick people away from well people until we can find those links and break those chains. So that's what they're doing in many communities in in Washington state and around the U.S. We've seen it on a much broader scale in places like uh, northern Italy right now.
5: Now, that news conference, quite extraordinary, more than an hour in length, covered a lot of ground. And to give you an indication of just how much attention B.C. is getting right now, there were 56 individual reporters on that phone call, teleconference call, as well as about 12 reporters in the room. And we're talking reporters from back east, uh, international, Wall Street Journal was on the line. A lot of attention being paid to British Columbia right now, because I think B.C. is ahead of a lot of other jurisdictions when it comes to combating this virus.
1: All right, thanks for that, Keith Baldry in Victoria. Now we have breaking details of a school closure. Collingwood, a private school in West Vancouver, has canceled classes until after spring break. This after learning that a contact at the school has tested positive. Collingwood says it has no reason to believe there is an infection at the school, but it wants to safeguard the community and will be deep-cleaning the campuses. Meantime, students, parents and staff at two Surrey schools are being assured the risk is very low. A rental group had used the gyms at Serpentine Elementary and someone in that group has now tested positive for COVID-19. While a member of the school community at Sullivan Heights also has the disease. Jennifer Palmer reports.
6: Disinfecting their hands, students at Sullivan Heights Secondary in Surrey are doing their best to avoid COVID-19.
7: I'm actually concerned, yeah, because um, I have um, elderly people in my family and also younger siblings, and I'm not trying to have them get anything.
6: Sullivan Heights is one of two Surrey schools identified as having someone with COVID-19. Officials sent a letter to parents stating the person who is a member of the school community was asymptomatic while they were at the facility. Sullivan Heights has undergone a deep clean. Students say they are concerned. Just well, to we disinfect
3: like, the, table the we sit on, the chairs
6: everything we touch so
3: we don't get (laughs) infected
6: adding many of their classes were nearly empty but we have to come to classes yeah grade 12 year grade 12 so it's not like you miss out and it's just scary because i really don't want to be here Serpentine Elementary was quieter than normal after parents received a letter stating a person who was in the school as part of a community use rental has been diagnosed with COVID-19. The school district was notified on the weekend by Fraser Health about a week after the person had been at the school. Serpentine has undergone a deep clean. Rentals to community groups are now on hold.
8: Absolutely worried about him, but uh, we think that they're controlling it well.
3: You just. Do what you got to do and just wash your hands as frequently as you can.
6: The school district and health officials say protocols are being followed.
4: There was nobody with symptoms who were in that space, so it's not a risk. Um, I think each of the schools has to look at how things are being used.
8: Any direct contacts of either of these two cases has been followed up with by Fraser Health. We did an additional deep clean on the weekend in response to these situations.
6: This is the last week of school before spring break, and the district says that the schools will remain open, that the risk to students and staff is low. If you do feel sick, however, health officials are asking you to call HealthLink BC at 811 and to stay home. Jennifer Palma, Global News.
1: Well, it is the time of year when prospective students tour university campuses. But amidst these coronavirus fears, one B.C. post-secondary is trying something different. Trinity Western University will be sending out virtual reality headsets to prospective students and use that technology to provide VR tours of the main Langley campus.
5: One of the major things that we rely on is our spring preview weekend. We bring people from all over the world to visit our campus to see if they want to come here the following fall. And of course, we're trying to make sense of the impact of COVID-19, just like everybody else. And uh, being that this big event is only two weeks away, we decided we have to be proactive and innovative and find a way to send campus to them because we can't expect them to come to our campus.
1: 4,000 students attend the private Christian University. Well, the economic turmoil caused by the outbreak reached another high, or low, today. Stock markets in Canada and around the world taking their worst beating since the 2008 financial crisis. As John Waugh reports, there is an upside for drivers. Crude oil prices have also collapsed, sparked in part by COVID-19 fears.
7: This is the sound... Of a thin silver lining. Prices at the pumps in a possible free fall.
4: That's what they're saying on Wednesday, see if we are gonna go down further.
7: As the price of crude oil crashes. Saudi Arabia appears prepared to flood the world with as much oil as it can. That'll
2: bring commodity prices down in general.
7: That combined with volatility linked to world COVID-19 concerns. Causing markets to tank, the TSX sinking 10.3%, its worst day in decades.
0: When you have stock markets going down, you're going to have pensions going down, too. You have people who are stock investors who are in pain right now. The Canadian
7: loonie dropped to 73.5 cents U.S. this morning, also hitting the lowest intraday level since May 2017.
0: As for individuals, I'm afraid what they're going to do, which is going to just exacerbate the economic slowdown, is they're going to pull in their horns. They're going to say, I'm okay at this moment. So I'm just going to be a little more safe.
7: That desperation to find safer ground causing many to invest in government bonds, pushing both yields and fixed mortgage interest rates way down.
8: Um, In terms of the rates, um, probably closer to when it was after the financial crisis in 2008. Uh, I don't think I remember a time when uh, fixed rates were below 2%.
7: Cheaper borrowing could prop up the housing market, still facing low supply.
8: Early renewals, uh, refinancing, um, potentially obviously new purchases, uh, buying investment properties, you name it.
7: With all the market chaos, a couple things are consistent. The reactions are extreme. And as the coronavirus crisis fuels worldwide concern, no one knows how long this could last. John Hua, Global News.
1: A global news investigation has revealed new details about a controversial all-expenses-paid trip to Beijing by seven Metro Vancouver mayors. And it was all arranged by a billionaire developer. Global Sam Cooper joins us with the exclusive details on this. And Sam, the big question is, was this developer, Li Jie, trying to influence Canadian leaders?
8: Yes, we found that he's part of the so-called China's magic weapon of foreign influence, the United Front Department, and he was using his real estate business in Vancouver to influence Canadian politicians. The plan was to invite them to Beijing and change any negative perceptions about China. So the question is, did that succeed in silencing concerns about human rights abuses in China? And our story and the junket came up today in hearings in Ottawa.
0: I've never heard of this happening at the local government level. Uh, Have you heard of these things? What should we be looking to do in in this matter? And how far up do you think, in your estimation, does this go? So, uh,
5: I would say also that, uh, you know, a number of uh, members of Parliament have been uh, to China on trips uh, paid uh, uh, by the the Chinese uh, government. But, in fact, you know... uh, Uh, I think we we have done uh, some of that uh, ourselves uh, in the past and uh, probably it would be uh, necessary to clarify the rules that apply because on one hand, again, I think that we need to develop uh, and I would encourage you to develop links with... uh, Uh, the the Chinese Communist Party, uh, because we need to understand them if we want to try to influence them. But at the same time, you know, uh, probably uh, this should be done using our own money.
1: Well, understanding them is one thing, Sam, but did any of the mayors actually change their views on issues with China? What do they have to say about this?
8: Well, members of the persecuted group Falun Gong told us that Port Moody's then mayor, Joe Trasolini, was a very strong supporter. And after he took this trip to Beijing, he changed his position of support on Falun Gong. So they had the suspicion the trip might have had something to do with that. Mr. Trasolini said that wasn't it at all. He changed his position for other reasons. However, we do know a number of the mayors came back to Canada with very positive messages about China and questions remain. They certainly do. Sam, thanks for that. Thank you.
1: BC's independent police watchdog is investigating after a Whistler man died during an altercation with police. It happened Sunday morning at a Whistler Village restaurant. Our CMP were called in for a complaint about an intoxicated man. Grace Key has the details.
9: The Whistler man who died during an RCMP arrest has been identified as Jason Kohler. He owned a cannabis accessory shop along the village stroll called Two Guys with Pipes. One woman who knows Kohler says he was struggling with mental health issues. People
4: have illnesses and
9: we need to help them. And
4: uh, this man has slipped through again like so many others and we need to do something about it.
9: RCMP were called to the Stone's Edge kitchen at 11 o'clock Sunday morning for an intoxicated man who was causing a disturbance. The officers used pepper spray, a conducted energy weapon, and batons during the struggle. Kohler went into medical distress. Officers began CPR. He was rushed to hospital where he later died. The Independent Investigations Office, the provincial civilian-led police watchdog group, is now investigating.
5: We'll be uh, looking at how the police dealt with him, um, what the interaction was, um, what grounds, if any, were there for them to use the use of force options that they they used.
9: Court records show Kohler did have a criminal history that included uttering threats in 2014, as well as assault and resisting arrest the following year. He will be missed as a person,
4: and he should be missed as a person, and not for some of the things he didn't do right. And uh, I want people to be aware of it.
9: The B.C. Coroner's Service will investigate the cause of death. The IIO is asking for witnesses to come forward. Grace Key, Global News.
1: A woman struck by a vehicle at a marked crosswalk in Surrey this morning suffered life-altering injuries. The alleged hit and run happened just before 7 near 192nd Street and 72nd Avenue. The Ford F-150 truck left the scene but was pulled over just a few blocks away. An Abbotsford police officer in an unmarked car happened to be at that very same intersection when the crash occurred and followed the truck and arrested the driver.
10: The initial observations made by the police officer that was at scene would indicate that the driver knew that he had struck the pedestrian. There is likely more witnesses to this, and we encourage anyone that hasn't already spoken to police to call Surrey RCMP and make a report to police so that we can get your version of events.
1: Police say charges are expected to be laid once the investigation wraps up. It was a summer one Kelowna family won't ever forget, one they describe as being terrorized. A series of deliberately set fires at their property had them living in fear. Now a suspect connected to at least one of those fires may be found not criminally responsible. Global's Claudia Van Emmerich explains.
11: It was a series of fires that first started on June 30th of last year, terrorizing a Kelowna family for two months. Three of their vehicles were torched. A fourth car belonging to a neighbor but parked outside of their home was also burned. Jen Kylo was renting the home on Galbraith Place in Rutland with her two children at the time.
3: Very terrifying. Couldn't sleep and we just all sort of bunked down the living room just waiting for the next thing to happen.
11: Then on August 30th, the carriage house behind the main house broke out in flames. Neighbors jumped into action and made a citizen's arrest, holding a man they said was seen starting the fire. Police arrived and arrested the suspect, 24-year-old Brendan Jurrell, who was charged with arson. Jarrell, who spent 87 days in custody and was released in late November, was back in court Monday morning. While he was expected to plead guilty to the charge, his defense lawyer, Dave Johnson, instead applied for a psychiatric assessment to determine if his client is criminally responsible due to a mental disorder. Jarrell lived in the carriage house back in 2017. Defense told court that he was under the belief that the landlords at the time had implanted spyware on his computer and that if he lit one of the buildings, they would see it and take the spyware off.
3: I couldn't figure out who would want to do that to us. And so finding out that he was mistaken, um, you know, he thought that it was the previous homeowners that had still live there and it turned out that wasn't the case so i'm just relieved that it has nothing to do with myself or my two children
11: and while kylo feels a sense of relief she says the whole ordeal took a big toll on the family
3: whether it's a mental health condition or not um i do feel like there needs to be some responsibility taken um this was absolutely horrifying for my family and i and as a single mother or as a parent at all like the one thing we want to do is protect our children and i wasn't able to do that in that time so it's just heartbreaking
11: Jarrell has only been charged for allegedly lighting the fire at the carriage house. No charges have been laid in connection with the four car fires in front of the main house. The 24-year-old will be back in court on April 7th for the results of the psychiatric assessment. Claudia Van Emmer Global News, Kelowna. Did you want to make-
1: Back to our top story now. Concerns about the spread of the COVID-19 coronavirus. BC's top health care official has sent shockwaves through the province's $2 billion cruise ship industry and the businesses that rely on it. Dr. Bonnie Henry says talks will be getting underway on her recommendation that BC delay its cruise ship season. Catherine Urquhart reports. After five
12: days stuck offshore, the Grand Princess carried its 3,500 passengers including 237 Canadians under the Golden Gate Bridge and docked in Oakland. At least 21 people on board have tested positive for COVID-19. A plane will repatriate the Canadians. If they exhibit symptoms of COVID-19, they will not be permitted to board. They will be cared for by the U.S. health care system. This is just the latest cruise ship impacted by the coronavirus, which is now threatening the entire cruising season.
4: It is um, my belief that we should be delaying our cruise season until we are in a safer place.
12: A delay may in fact happen. Transport Canada told Global News it's in discussions with Health Canada officials, saying... The Government of Canada is looking at all available options for the upcoming cruise ship season and will not hesitate to take necessary measures to protect Canadians. I'm just trimming soap, that's all I'm doing right now. For business owners like Louise Vargas, the news is not good. Tourists provide 70% of her sales. I'm concerned, yeah, um... Like I know when the, the cruise ships come in, like that those weekends are usually there's an uptick in sales. One mitigating factor, she makes a product now in high demand. The big stores run out,
3: then I'm hoping that we'll get the runoff from that. We'll see. Okay.
12: No doubt retailers and restaurants will be hurt by COVID nineteen. Each cruise ship visit brings an estimated three million dollars to our local economy. And last year, there were 288 ship visits. Destination BC says it has already begun to implement its emergency management and recovery marketing plans, exploring the most effective ways to support BC's tourism industry throughout the COVID-19 outbreak. With the clock ticking, Transport Canada is expected to make a decision on this year's cruise ship season in the coming days. Catherine Cart, Global
1: News. And as the virus spreads, more and more organizers of major events are facing the difficult choice of canceling or going ahead. As Tom Costello reports, a growing number are already pulling the plug. The biggest high-profile sporting event
10: to fall victim to the virus so far... The BNP Paribas Tennis Open in California canceled after city officials declared a public emergency. Johns Hopkins University banning spectators from three NCAA Division III games. Though so far, the NCAA says March Madness will go on with spectators. On Sunday, a packed arena for the Celtics Thunder game as all 30 NBA teams develop coronavirus plans. Already, lots of hand sanitizer, elbow and fist bumps replacing handshakes. Of course, in NBA games, there are a lot of sweat. There's a lot of collisions, a lot of yelling, a lot of spit that comes out of your mouth in an, in an NBA game. But uh, there's only so much you can do. So far, the teams insist they won't play without fans.
5: If I show up to a an arena and ain't no fans in there, I ain't playing.
10: The
2: owner of the Houston Rockets agrees. I would hope that we would just suspend for a week or two weeks or whatever, but you you don't want to play games with no fans. Uh, that, that's never going to work.
10: Meanwhile, some federal trials in Washington State have been postponed. Dozens of conferences canceled, costing local communities millions. Chicago says it will lose 100,000 visitors this month alone from canceled events. San Francisco banning groups of 50 or more from using city facilities. As Seattle, San Francisco, and now Boston cancel St. Paddy's Day parades. Health experts urge pregnant women, the elderly, and anyone who's sick to avoid large public gatherings. Practice social distancing at least six feet, especially from anybody who's sick. Wash your hands and use hand sanitizer.
1: In Paris, the River Seine burst its banks today, forcing the city to close riverside parks. Parisians know when the Seine is threatening to overflow by looking at the feet of a famous statue. Water levels have prompted Paris authorities to close some riverbanks and stop riverboat services for tourists. Water more than six feet above normal blocked pedestrian and bicycle traffic on the car-free recreation areas. It's expected to go down later this week. The federal government has introduced a bill that would ban conversion therapy in Canada. The practice, which essentially tries to make a gay person straight, has already been banned by a number of municipalities across the country. If passed, the
3: liberal bill would make it a federal crime. It's a day Matt Ashcroft has been fighting for. As a conversion therapy survivor, he knows firsthand how damaging the practice can be.
10: It messed up relationships with my family. Uh, had a very emotional time with it. Um, I didn't really get a lot of healing. I didn't get a lot of support and I'm, I'm speaking out because I know what it did to me and I want to protect people as much as possible.
3: Conversion therapy seeks to change a person's sexuality so that they can become heterosexual, but it doesn't work. The practice has been widely discredited by research and opposed by health professionals.
4: We see um, the
5: victims of conversion therapy dealing with issues like internalized shame, uh, post-traumatic
0: stress disorder, suicide ideation, and unfortunately some uh, do take their own lives because of conversion therapy. Conversion therapy is premised on a lie. That being homosexual, lesbian, bisexual or trans is wrong and in need of fixing.
3: The Liberal government's proposed bill would make it illegal to provide conversion therapy to anyone under age 18. It would also be illegal to advertise or benefit from the practice financially. But survivor Erica Muse doesn't believe the bill goes far enough.
2: I can't say that this is what I need and what Canadians need to make sure no one else is hurt like me. I. I I can't say that this is a ban
8: that would make me safe.
3: The justice minister says the bill worked to balance progressive policy with constitutional considerations. Survivor Jonathan Brower hopes it will help convince organizations that still offer the therapy that what they're doing is not okay.
8: These organizations and systems of belief have really pathologized something beautiful and called it sinful. So this is a pivotal Canadian moment, I believe, to right that wrong.
3: Heather, Urex West, Global News, Calgary.
1: Some sad news now from the entertainment world. Actor Max von Sydow has died. The Swedish actor was known to audiences for his roles in The Exorcist, Star Wars, and the James Bond movie Never Say Never Again. Von Sydow starred in close to 200 film and TV productions. He remained active well into his 80s and received an Emmy nomination for his work as the three-eyed raven in HBO's Game of Thrones. Von Sydow was 90. Alaska's famous Iditarod sled dog race is now underway. Two, one, go. And 57 racers will try to take their sled dogs over more than 1,600 kilometers of terrain. It's expected to take the winner about 10 or 11 days to finish the race. Last year's winner, Pete Kaiser, is back to defend his championship. It is information that can't be repeated too often. What should you do if you develop symptoms of COVID-19 or suspect that you have been exposed to the virus? At today's COVID-19 update from Victoria, the province's medical health officer reiterated Good that morning. anyone uh, with questions uh, Bates, should call 811 Minister. for advice. She also uh, emphasized uh, the importance uh, of uh, self-quarantine uh, if you have uh, symptoms uh, of any uh, viral uh, infection.
4: So right now, we want everybody to stay home if you're sick. Even if you have the sniffles, you have a bit of a cold, um, your children are feeling a little bit under the weather, keep them home from school, keep yourself home from work if you're not feeling well. Even if you have no relationship to COVID-19, we want you to do that.
1: As for people who've had exposures or are experiencing shortness of breath along with other flu like symptoms, they need to seek medical attention. So call your doctor or emergency department ahead of your arrival so that they can take measures to protect everyone else in the healthcare setting. And he's got a good shot. All right, uh, meteorologist Yvonne Shell is here with a look at our weather forecast. You know, I was woken up in the middle of the night, lines <laughs> closed, and I thought, is it? More? that bright? <laughs> it was so bright, like coming through my closed blinds. Yeah, spectacular full moon.
13: And tonight, if we manage to still stay clear late this evening, you'll have an opportunity to see the super full moon. Uh, so late this evening, uh, this is the first one of the year. This is a beautiful shot and this was taken from our very own Pat Bell, our videographer. Another beautiful shot taken in the Okanagan. So thank you so much, Merlin. So eyes to the skies this evening. Hopefully, hopefully we'll catch a few breaks in a few areas across the province. We'll be able to see the the super full moon. It was beautiful this afternoon. It cleared out. We had some sunshine in the mix, a nice break out there. This is a shot in False Creek, so thank you so much, Stephanie. Some fantastic shots. And another one where we've got a beautiful sunset this evening with the time change that we had over the weekend. Spring ahead, we've got the sunset just after 7 this evening, so it's spectacular out there. A bit of a blip in the forecast is for tomorrow, so a heads up. Temperatures are sitting at 6. We've got a southwesterly wind at 7 kilometers per hour. This is the system that we're tracking. We've already seen the moisture across the north and central half of the province. It sinks its way towards the south in the timeline. This evening, the clouds will be thickening closer to midnight. Overnight, we do have a chance of showers. And then the bulk of the moisture is going to develop for the morning hours. Higher elevations, we're looking at wet flurries along the island included within that. And then it looks to dissipate quite quickly. We'll rebound once again on Wednesday, but heading out the front door tomorrow, you will need an umbrella. Snow in a significant amount will be for the Rogers Pass, up to 25 centimeters of snowfall warning. Pass anywhere between 10 and up to 20 centimeters. A bit of rain mix of snow inland for the northern half of the province. It'll change over for most areas. A bright spot towards the northeastern corners, the southern half of the province, so it's really higher elevations. Snowfall, check in with Drive BC before you head out on any of the major highways. And we are looking at a soggy day for our Tuesday. Wet flurries will be for higher elevations. It'll rebound. We're back into some sunshine for our Wednesday. Tonight's Centra Windows Weather Window, that's a mouthful, is taken from Cypress
1: Mountain from David. So thank you so much. So beautiful day. Thank you very much, Yvonne. Well, he is just six and can barely reach over a billiard table, but he's already turning heads with his skills. Global's Tom Hayes shows us the moves that are helping this pint-sized pool prodigy go viral.
0: Impressive especially when you consider it's a six-year-old clearing the table.
14: Five ball in a side pocket.
0: It all started innocently enough. Dad brought home an old pub pool table. Julian hadn't a clue. Did you know what this was when your dad set it up?
14: Um, no. When I first started, I didn't know how to hold the stick,
3: so I just shot balls.
0: Mom wasn't overly thrilled about a pool table in the house until she had a closer look.
3: I just, this is not for real, you know, his age, he's only six.
0: All just family fun in the basement with the older brothers. Do you like beating your brothers? Uh Uh-huh. Do you like when your brother beats you? No, not at all. And then mom opened an Instagram account and started posting videos of Julian playing eight ball and nine ball. 50,000-plus hits later.
3: Around the world, uh, I ha- he ha- has followers that I don't even understand the language that they're writing in.
0: Julian has been using social media to study.
3: Always do trick shots. That's how I get
14: my trick shots from.
0: There are challenges for a pint-sized pool player. Julian uses a rake a lot, and at three eleven, he uses his tiptoes all the time. Sonia wants to get her son some help. She's trying to find a coach and find a way to describe her new title as a sports mom.
3: That's it. That's Is that it. hockey, Is that hockey, hockey mom? mom, soccer mom? I am a pool mom.
0: <laughs> a proud pool mom. Easy to see why.
1: A ball side pocket. That's good. Let's go.
0: Tom Hayes, Global News.
1: Are you going to do some math?
14: Kind of. Kind of. I'm going to leave the room for a few for a few moments. Well, I mean, I could use fancy graphics, but why use fancy graphics when you have a Sharpie and a big whiteboard? That's a good point. There you go. So uh, after beating Colorado on Friday, that loss to the Blue Jackets last night by the Canucks was a huge comedown. You can't be losing those kind of games at home in regulation. If you're going to lose, at least get a point out of it. But as we said before the break the Canucks are still technically in a playoff spot, depending on what happens tonight. The Islanders are here tomorrow. They've been struggling too. And we will see tomorrow morning how Brock Besser is feeling to see if he's any closer to playing. He has been skating of late. Now, if you go by mathematical probabilities and percentages, they will all tell you the Canucks still have a better than 50% chance of making the playoffs. But perhaps, as I just said, we need to go to the old whiteboard to get a closer look. So come with me, just one sec. All right, 14 games left in the regular season. Here it is. It's evenly split. Seven games at home, seven games on the road. Ten of the 14 are against teams that are either in a playoff spot or are fighting for a playoff spot. Only four are against the now not-so-scary Cali Cartel, Kings, Ducks, and Sharks. At the moment, the Canucks have 76 points, and their win percentage is actually pretty good, at 5.59, five, You would think that should get them into a Western Conference playoff spot, and we're guessing last year it was 90 points that Colorado got to get in as the eighth-place team. I think this year, let's go with 92. That should do it. If you get 92, you're in the playoffs. Now, here's the problem for the Canucks. Since February 1st, they've been nowhere near that pace. Their win percentage since then is 4-12. That's 29th in the NHL, and the big issue, not really goal scoring, in fact, I'm gonna put this in here right now. Goals per game since February 1st is 3.12. That's 11th best. Now I know they had that nine goal game against Boston, which bumps that number up. Here's the problem, right here. Goals allowed per game, 3.47, 30th in the NHL. And you might think, well, that's because Markstrom's hurt, and that doesn't help, certainly. But Markson was in for a lot of these games as well. Improve this number, lower this number, and this number goes up, and that number becomes more attainable.
1: Huh. You're back. Yeah. You're so uh, fast. Maybe
14: I need a bigger Sharpie, you're right. For those who are hard of seeing, like, like you. Me. Yeah. Uh, this is a game the Canucks are watching very closely, Coyotes and Jets. Because if the Jets win this one, they move ahead of Vancouver into a playoff spot, and the Canucks will be temporarily out. Nick Schmaltz scoring there to make it 1-0 for Arizona. And then right before the end of the period, he gets another one. So it's 2-0 Coyotes after one. The one thing the Canucks will hate is a game that goes to overtime. Then the loser at least gets one. Can't be having these three-point games, but Nick Ehlers has scored there. And it's now 2-2 after two, Winnipeg and Arizona. The Oilers and Vegas are tied 1-1 after one period. Okay. Canada's Rugby sevens team made this year's event at BC Place Stadium a weekend to remember. Never have the Canadian men gotten as far as they did in this year's tournament. A third place finish. New Zealand won it, but for the 74,000 plus who attended this weekend, Canada's performance was most memorable. Canada's medal was inches away from being a different colour than bronze. Not that Canada doesn't cherish a third place finish, especially since they got there by beating South Africa. In the semi-final, Canada was truly inches. Look how close that is from beating Australia. So to rebound off that disappointment and then defeat South Africa was impressive. And speaking of impressive, no Canadian was more impressive than the oldest player on the squad, Nathan Hirayama.
7: I think he's gotten faster as he's gotten older, which I don't know how's that, how that's working, but uh, he, yeah, he, he was immense, um, led from the front, led as a captain, he, you couldn't ask for more from him and I'm, I'm so happy for him.
14: Well, because of how hard COVID-19 has hit Italy, the country's main soccer league, Serie A, will stop playing until at least April 3rd. Now, this suspension of games does not affect the Italian teams that are in Champions League or Europa League. That would have to be decided upon by UEFA. On Sunday, five games were played in Italy in front of empty stadiums. To show you how strange this is, and you know what? If things get bad in North America, it could happen in the NBA or the NHL. Listen to the game between AC Milan and Genoa, where Zlatan Ibrahimović scores. Listen to how strange it sounds with no crowd.
9: Hey, hey, hey. Move on, move on,
0: move
14: on. It's like watching a local men's game at a local park. You can really hear the ball bouncing off people and Anyway, hopefully that does not have to happen in mm-hmm. the NHL or the NBA. should also mention this. I mentioned the uh, Edmonton Oilers. No Connor McDavid tonight. Mm-hmm. He's out with an illness. Oh, no. Let's not go there. No. I don't think so.
1: But you gave me that look. I know, it.
14: because anytime you hear that, that's right. where your brain goes. Okay.
1: Think not. positive thoughts. Yes. Here's a look at your snow
13: report for tonight. Whistler Blackholm with one new centimetre, two for Cypress and Sasquatch with a base of 3.33. Five new centimetres for Manning Park, 17 for Fernie, one new centimetre for Kicking Horse. One new centimetre for Big White, a base of 2.36 for Silver Star, Sun Peaks 2.13 and Apex 3.09. Mount Washington, a base of 197, Whitewater, 18 new centimetres, three for Red Mountain, Powder King, a base of 4.25.
1: Well, a royal farewell for Prince Harry and Meghan Markle over the weekend and a new reality starting today.
14: Don't they wave like this? Is that how you wave? They used to wave
1: kind of like like this. this. Yeah,
14: like this. Yeah. Yeah. Or at
1: least they do on the crown.
3: Yeah. (laughs) After
1: a busy weekend of events, the two attended an annual event today but did not enter with the rest of the royals.
15: Harry and Meghan were not part of the royal procession at Monday's annual Commonwealth Church service at Westminster Abbey. Instead, they were escorted to their seats while senior members of the royal family walked with the queen. The Duke and Duchess of Sussex will soon begin a new life in Canada with their 10-month-old son Archie, ending the drama that began two months ago when they announced they were stepping back from royal life. They're gonna be hugely missed. I think they're beloved. And I think loads of people,
12: me included, think it's a very courageous move. I think they'll do very well across the world for their global charities, and they'll still be great ambassadors for the royal family, title or no title.
15: It's been quite the farewell tour for Harry and Meghan. They've made a flurry of appearances in the past few days to say their final goodbyes. The couple received a standing ovation during a concert at London's Royal Albert Hall on Saturday.
6: She really is
15: beautiful, isn't it? Earlier in the week, Meghan thrilled students with a surprise visit to a mixed-race school in East London. We saw a lot more young women, particularly young black women, who hadn't perhaps felt a connection to the royal family previously, and that, of course, is going to be a loss to the royal family. As Harry and Meghan carve out a new future, they will reportedly make caring for veterans in the U.S. and the U.K. a key focus of their charity work. Cindy Palm, CBS News, London. So I feel like we're going to see them yes. more.
0: What,
14: what, we'll what do fine. you think the chances are she goes back to acting?
1: 100%. Yeah, I
14: like that chance, too. Yeah, so maybe he falls you know, or gonna gonna maybe he becomes an that. actor.
1: Oh, be big. Now that would be big. There, there you go.
14: A buddy cop movie, the two
1: of them. <laughs> Good cop, bad cop. Yeah. <laughs> That's all the time we have. Enjoy this beautiful sunset. Good night, all.